to show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Match Podcast. All right. So this week for the podcast, so for this month, I've been trying to do Christmas stuff, and here we are, already two episodes in. I still haven't decided to do any holiday or Christmas stuff. I'm a piss poor host, which is fine, but that's okay because I, you know, I don't have to do things because I like to have guests on that are, that are fun and and you know things we want to talk about. So this week on the podcast, uh, I'm going to welcome BJJ Black Belt Brian Estrada onto the podcast. Brian and I have been conversing on Instagram a little bit here. I just going back and forth. Uh, you know, he's been uh, sharing technique videos. So, you know, we got to talking and chatting. And I was like, dude, you know, we're we're relatively close to each other for the most part. We're both on the East Coast. So I always call that close. So, figure let's go ahead, get on the podcast, converse, chit chat, and um, get to know each other. So, Brian, welcome to the show. How you doing, my friend? Oh, doing fantastic, man. Thank you for having me. Very, very uh, pleasure of mine to you. be on. Thank you for doing this. Uh, I always appreciate anyone sharing their time with me because, you know, time time is valuable. Time, you know, it's currency. So anyone that, that comes onto the podcast and shares their time with me, you know, I greatly appreciate it. So thank you, my friend. Oh, absolutely. Pleasure's all mine. So I, I guess, uh, you know, my first question is – and I know a lot of people always kind of give me shit for this because they're like, ah, oh, you know, no, you know, everybody gets all the same questions all the time. I was like, that's fine. But, you know, I, I haven't asked questions, so I want to have the conversation with you. <laughs> so uh, you've got your black belt. So you, I, I would assume, you know, you're well settled into BJJ at this point. But, you know, what got you started in, in all of it? And when did you start? So. I basically started, I was, uh, I grew up with martial arts. Uh, so when I was about eight years old, I started training just in just traditional boxing. And, um, I started wrestling when I was about 13 years old and uh, I wasn't good at soccer. I sucked at it, you know, being Peruvian, everybody always expects like, Oh, you, you're going to play soccer, right? I'm like, no, actually I, I was, uh, I came from the inner city. So I played basketball a lot. I'm five foot five and, uh, who would have thought a kid like this could play ball. So. I did that for a few years, and um, I stumbled upon wrestling when I was 13. And after after wrestling like for so long, there's only so much you can do with that. It's either go straight into MMA or do jiu-jitsu. So I decided, hey, man, I'm going to try my hand at jits. So I started jiu-jitsu in 2008. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, I, uh, I trained with quite a few high-level guys. And, um, yeah, I just realized I was really, really good at jits. Wrestling definitely helped me out with that. And, uh, yeah, I've traveled around the world quite a few places. So I've, I've made a lot of connections with jiu-jitsu. Very blessed to do that. Oh, good. Yeah. When you got started, you know, coming off the wrestling background, was there any kind of, uh, you know, especially coming from wrestling, you know, the, the last place you want to be is on your back. Yes. So going into jiu-jitsu, you know, how did that uh, transition go for you as far as like, did you kind of come out of it, you know, relatively, you know, quickly, or did it take you some time to, you know, embrace fighting off your back? 
So uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, it sucked. Like it, it's, it was horrible. It took me about three years to get comfortable off my back. The only thing I would say, there's actually there's quite a few factors that help a wrestler in jujitsu, and that would be we're used to high pace matches, so we're constantly sprinting. As in traditional jujitsu, people, if you're not used to that sprint type of factor, and they're doing the whole slow, steady type of game, wrestlers can actually you know wear out the jujitsu person, and as well. I would definitely say it helped me with my scrambles a lot. So being able to scramble out of bad situations definitely carried over into jujitsu. So when it came to like being comfortable scrambling from bottom to wrestle up, uh, I would definitely say wrestling p- played a big part into that. I, I can see that when I started training, there are a few guys that were wrestlers and me, I, I don't know anything. I'm just in there like tackle. Like my whole thing is when I first got in there, I was just like, yeah, just be strong and start like throwing people around. And then, you know, a couple of guys, you know, again, they were wrestlers and they, the scrambles, that's all it was, was like just these, you know, like the old school uh, cartoons where you see like, you know, a cat and a dog fighting. Yeah. yeah. That, like that little tornado. That's kind of exactly what it is, to be honest. Yeah, like you're in a blender. Yeah, yes. Um, you know that 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 was always my feeling with it, and I I loved it because, you know, again, I didn't really know any jujitsu. My ideal jujitsu was just that scrambling until my coach pulled me aside and was like, you know, you got to kind of pace yourself, dude, and you know, look for openings. I was like, huh, <laughs> what? Well, I, I think that that's again. It's funny that you say that, like, stop and look for openings. So as wrestlers, we're taught, go, 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 sprint for two, it's two minute periods for three, three periods, so six minutes. So we're used to sprinting for a whole six minutes. Now in jujitsu, you have to, you always hear settle down, settle, keep good position. Um, That was the hardest thing to do as a wrestler. Fighting off of my back obviously took me three years, but the good part about that was I could scramble and get into a good position, but now holding the position to a submission was, a, I would say the hardest thing was to be able to control my levels of zero to a hundred because you're so used to going 90 miles an hour, going 40 miles an hour. Now to slow that down, it's like kind of like um, something going against what we were taught as wrestlers. So, you know, being a wrestler obviously gives you the strength, the endurance, all the physical aspects. But when it comes to the technicality of slowing things down for jujitsu to play a high-level game, that's where it starts to get complicated. I saw um, our wrestling coach at, at my old gym. I remember going to a competition and watching him, and he got out there and boom, immediately double leg. He gets the guy down and I'm standing on the sideline and one of the guys, you know, nudged the other and goes, the homeboy's a wrestler. And, you know, he made quick work of his opponents. So then his next match, one of the guys who was standing there observing, he goes in there and immediately, you know, sits the guard. Uh-huh. And, you know, you know, my, my teammate slash coach, you know, essentially dove into a triangle um and, and it was like and you know i'm still new at this point so you know i don't know what's going on. i don't really 
understand it. I was just like, oh man, like I knew that I was falling into a triangle for sure. But yeah. I was like, oh man, that geez, that sucks. Um, but I didn't understand like that his pace, you know, he's still pushing and going while the other guy was, you know, really kind of you know, collected and, and, you know, again, looking for his, his shots and got it. But that was a lesson for me, you know, as a, you know, someone watching the match and then kind of figuring out for my own game. And I was like, okay, now I get what coach was saying, like kind yeah. of look for your, your openings. So you actually reminded me of the first jujitsu gym I went to. So, um, so I'm in Jersey. I went to this jujitsu gym called performance and, um, I, I, I was, it, I looked like a douchebag. I walked in with my wrestling shoes. I had a knee pad on and like the instructors like, Hey man, let's roll. And I took a double leg. I took him down. And just like you said, I dove straight into a triangle and I ended up waking up at the lights. That was my first jujitsu class. So that, that you gave me a flashback there. I, I completely forgot about that story until now. So when you were, uh, you know, going through that phase, you know, for those first three years of, of really trying to get comfortable off your back, what, when was the moment that you truly, like, what was it like that moment that you truly embraced jujitsu and fighting off your back? Uh, so it was actually with my coach, uh, my, it's uh, a previous coach of the, uh, from before, I would say, Last time we worked together was about six years ago. I pulled half. I went into deep half guard. And he said, Bryant, I'm going to give you your badge of honor. And this is going to make you move off of your back. And I go into deep half and he pulls his lapel out as I'm in deep half and goes on my left ear and just starts rubbing his lapel on my ear. And it just completely blew my ear up. And I'm like, whoa. And he's like, you got to move. You got to move. He's like, if this was on the street, I would have killed you. So that's when everything started to click. I like, I remember going deep half. I went waiter sweep. I swept him, get into side control. And he looks at me and he's like, was it that hard? And I'm like, no, it wasn't. And he goes, all right, man. Every time you're on your back, you got to think as if you're getting killed. And I'm like, all right, cool. So that, I, it's, it's funny. Like, I, I remember as if, as if it was yesterday. So, as you progressed with your training, uh, you know, again, coming off of wrestling and then you got boxing, um, you know, in your pocket as well. And now along with jujitsu, uh, did you transition or consider doing any transition into like full on MMA? Yeah. So um, I'm actually a former 126 pound champion for a dead serious organization. Um, actually, this is they probably you're, they're not going to see it, but I'll show you my belt. This is actually my championship belt here that i won um yeah i made the transition i had uh i did three fight camps in thailand um so i lived in phuket for about six months um i trained with uh names like um i was actually with chris cyborg we we were wrestling partners for about two weeks um as well i trained with thomas almeida he's a fought at 135 pounds in the ufc and i actually trained with him the fight after he got knocked out by Cody Garbrandt and um, yeah, Anthony Pettis was there. Um, we had Michael Bisbee oh, there. So um, yeah, I've trained with like a bunch of guys and I, I transitioned into MMA. My first fight was actually 2012 okay. and um, I fought in the, 
in the Knicks Stadium over in White Plains, New York. Uh, that was the first time I fought for a belt, and that was pretty cool. And I actually ended up losing. I got dropped in the third, and I got choked by rear naked. And it, it was a pretty close fight. But uh, yeah, I made the transition. It was it was pretty awesome. I mean, I wish I could still fight now, but my uh, my body says otherwise. Wrestlers that you know, you guys are too tough for your own good. Sometimes you you know from what I've seen with wrestlers, it's like, geez, Louise, like you're going to give your body a rest. I, I think combat athletes are all crazy. Absolutely. It's like, like we're, we're choosing to, you know, go out there and, and, you know, do these activities that, you know, they, it's kind of relaxing for most of us, you know, it's calming, you know, but from the outside eye, it's like, oh my God, crazy. you know, you're, yeah, you're crazy. You're fighting your friends, which for me, anytime I, you know, my goddaughter or, you know, my good friend, they, they end up dating someone. You know, my first thing is always like when I meet the guy, the first thing in my mind is like, dude, you want to like, we got some mats. You want to like, always go over and wrestle? Well, but, you, you want to make sure that the, obviously your loved ones are with someone that you can trust them with mind and body. But uh, my, I, I completely understand that. I mean, a lot, a lot of the times, what happens is, um, so like if if we go to the bar, like some guy will like stand next to my wife, and you know he'll try to talk to her, and then he like looks over and glances at my ear, and he's like, "Hey, man, no problems, no problems." Like, yo, it's all good. I understand my wife's attractive. It's cool. I take it as a compliment. Don't even sweat it, dude. Like, it's all, all is well. So, and then I don't, I think what um what people don't tend to realize is what what you might see is crazy from the outside eye. You know, we're training, we're trying to choke each other, but we're probably the most, like the nicest people you'll ever meet because all of our aggression is already taken out. Absolutely. I, I always, I always try to stress that to people. It's like martial artists are some of the nicest people you'll ever encounter. Just, just because like you said, our aggression you know, it's like it's not even that we're trying to like hurt each other when we're even training. You know, it's just that that you know that physical movement in itself. But also, I, I know for you know speaking for myself, just out there on the mat, if I'm going through something mentally tough, like getting out there on the mat and kind of getting focused on that helps me kind of wear it down and then just really like think like, well, look, right now I'm I'm like you know, being mounted by a, you know, 270 pound guy, you know, this is pretty, pretty tough. And I got to get out of here. Meanwhile, you know, that, you know, tenant that I had screaming at me earlier, that's no longer an issue to me. That's a walk in the park. Like I want them to scream at me all the time, you know, versus being stuck under this person. Now I need to figure this puzzle out. Let's not think about what's going on out there. Let's think about this puzzle in front of me. So my wife's friend once made a comment about uh, uh, grapplers, period. It was a misinformed comment. But she was like, they're always picking fights, and, you know, they're always so aggressive. And I was like, oh, my God, like, you don't know anything about us. No, no, no. So, I don't know. It's silly. What what ends up happening, so this the funny part about that is – I mean, you might have the guy that who's a fighter, and then they try to they do try to pick the fights. That is the one with the most insecurities. That is the one who picked up this sport because he wanted to show everyone else 
that he was better than what they thought. A, in my eyes, a true martial artist picks this up just for themselves, not to prove anything to anyone else. It's it's just for themselves and that's it. Um, but I mean, hey man, like everybody has their own agenda. I mean, I, I could be wrong and look like just like in jits, my style may not work for you. Your style may not work for me. We all have an opinion. But from what I've seen, I'm 20 years deep now into training. Um, I, I, it's been tried and true. Uh, a lot of the guys who do pick fights are the most insecure guys. I saw this video the other day and it was like, uh, this is how you know fighters don't want to pick fights. Think about one thing. A guy who lays brick every day goes into a bar with his girlfriend and then there's a guy sitting next to him at the other, other side of the bar or whatever and goes, hey, man, I guarantee you I can I can lay brick better than you. The guy who just got off his job is going to go, okay, man, like I really don't care. I just finished working. I do this 40 hours a week. I don't want to do it. No, but I guarantee you I can do it. He's like, oh, really? Like I do this all the time. A true martial artist is going to say, I don't want to fight. I get beat up in the gym all the time by like professionals who do this. Why am I going to want to do this on the street? Now, the insecure person is going to say, I'm going to show you. Like, why? It's it's unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. So, Absolutely. And I, I like that. <clears throat> I like that analogy there. Um, it's it's a weird thing that, that we all take part of where, again, people like to assume, oh, you know, you know, these guys, you know, super aggressive meathead stuff, you know, and that's not to say, you know, those guys aren't out there. Like you said, you know, there are guys who, you know, may pick up the sport uh, for one reason or the other. And, you know, you wonder, even with that, it's like, you know, you know, where's your ego? You know, it, like, you know, did you check your ego or are you still carrying it? Yeah, it, it's, it's very scary. Like, um, so I've dealt with a few fighters in the past. So uh, I I don't know if it's okay to say it, but like I I'm, I am a head coach at one of the gyms. So I've dealt with some fighters where you kind of want to stick away from feeding egos to fighters, like feeding into their ego. And like, it's good to like believe your own hype, but like believe your own hype with, I guess when it comes to like the promotion, but don't start like there, there's two lives. There's the promotion life where, this is what the outsiders see. And then there's the backstage life where it's like, Hey, like I'm your coach, I'm your friend. And he was letting that kind of like bleed into his regular day. And he was feeding his ego. And he was just trying to fight everyone at the gym and uh, things didn't work out. This was quite a few years ago, but things didn't work out. And it, it, it's, it sucks that it does have to get that way. Yeah. That's, you know, it's unfortunate, but, I think at the end of the day, though, you know, a lesson hopefully is learned by that fighter that, you know, you know, maybe just maybe, you know, maybe, I, you know, should dial it back, yeah. you know, or check myself, you know, something. But, you know, hopefully on the other end, it, it all like worked out down the line for him. So, you know, along the journey for you, you know, delving into MMA and then, uh, you know, becoming a champion as well for you doing that between that and jiu-jitsu like were you competing in jiu-jitsu as well or you know just kind of 
uh, you know, sharpen your tools uh, there and, you know, kind of carry it over to MMA. So, I mean, what was great about that is um, I knew I was pretty well-rounded on the ground. Uh, so it was mainly just sharpening those tools, just like you said, with my stand-up and my transitioning my stand-up to my wrestling, which you can be a great collegiate wrestler, right? But you may not be the best MMA wrestler. That there, there's there's levels to it. So you got to realize, like even Habib, not a collegiate wrestler whatsoever by our standards, but was great at and is still great at sambo. So it was me more or less finding that medium ground where I can mix in my wrestling with my striking, and then the jujitsu followed that. So it was me really focusing on my wrestling, transitioning to my striking. And, um, you know, the jiu-jitsu does help or help a lot because, you know, it helps me with, like, mat awareness or, like, in what we call it, like, you know, cage awareness. Like, you have to know, okay, like, if my back is against the wall, uh, I'm really not going to try to do any inverts. I'm not going to go for leg locks because you do leg locks while you're, while, while you're against the cage. You're going to get ground and pounded. If you go deep half against the cage, someone's going to post out and they're going to ground and pound you. So I really, really wanted to focus on being the aggressor with my wrestling and my striking. And then uh, I really, like, I, I, I trained jujitsu. Uh, I was still training five, six days a week. But most of my time was just polishing my tools for MMA. And where you are now as a black belt in jujitsu, I know right now you've got uh, some injuries uh, kind of limiting you right now, prohibiting you from competing um, and really getting out there um, any further um, upon recovery, you know, you know, however long that may take you is the thought in your mind to uh, compete in jujitsu uh, or even try to go back into the cage. Uh, so the, the cage is done. That is something that, uh, I've talked to my wife about, um, I've had about 10 fights, 10 cage fights, and I, I'm completely over getting punched in the head, if that makes any sense. Um, with the injury wise, I, I have in total five herniated discs in my back and I do have a torn labrum in my left leg. Two herniated discs are in my cervical, three are in my lower lumbar. Uh, I, I was in my last camp in Thailand and I told my wife, we just finished watching the movie Southpaw with Jake Gyllenhaal. And in the beginning of that movie, he was talking to his wife at the, at the, before she died. Sorry if I ruined that for anyone. No, um, it's been out long enough. All right, cool, cool. Um, he's, she, she tells him like, hey, look, you're taking a lot of damage in the fights. And he's like, well, I won, didn't I? And... You know, he looks at her and says, if you ever start seeing me take a lot of damage, once you tell me to quit, I'm done. And I was prepping for a rematch to get my belt back because I lost it by decision. And I was in a sparring session and I got clipped on the top of my head and my I felt a weird click in my neck. And the next morning I couldn't move my uh, right arm. And I look at my wife and we go to the doctor. They tell, they, you know, they give me the diagnosis and she looks at me and says, you're done. And I'm like, I'm done. Never doing it. Never putting on the gloves again. Not even to spar, not to mess around. I, I'm done getting punched. Now, when it comes to jujitsu, I will definitely step back on that mat. 
Absolutely. I, uh, I competed in the uh, ADCC trials, uh, the last one that just came out. So uh, I got past the first round, and then I actually ended up losing to a really, really good black belt from 10th Planet. His name's Ben Eddy. I don't know if you've heard of him, but that guy is the man. He caught me in Dead Orchard and got, and got me in an armbar. But I did get a takedown on him. I got a double leg. And we did talk afterwards. We, you know, we, we laughed about it. He's like, dude, you're, he's like, you're pretty strong. That double leg was super clean. And I'm like, I know, but what no one really did know was I fractured my foot when I took that double leg mm. and I played the video back and I'm like, Oh man, that sucked. But either way he was, he was going to get me either way. Um, but I was just happy to know that I was on that mat with these world-class guys. And, uh, but once I'm all fixed, I'm definitely going to step on the mat. Absolutely. I'll compete in jujitsu until I can't anymore. Like until I'm like gray and old, I'm definitely going to compete. Absolutely. Good. Good. Uh, I think that too kind of shows another uh, side that people don't get to see is you got out there, competed with a world-class grappler and, you know, he got you with the arm bar. But the thing is, there's no resentment afterward. You know, you guys talk. I, you know, that that's a beautiful thing about even MMA. You know, when you see, you know, fighters after, you know, a good fight in the cage and then afterward, they're all hugging and taking pictures together and talking. Hell, even Mighty Mighty Mouse and Henry Cejudo, you know, are, are working together. Oh, you yeah. Know. My idols, by the way. Must have oh, yeah. It, it's funny, like... So, because uh, Henry Cejudo, he kind of leans into that King of Cringe uh, thing, but the dude is such a good wrestler, and I, I repost uh, every so often, you know, his techniques. And it's like he's so good at explaining things, dude, and but people want to hate him. Well, I mean, so the thing about him is, um, he wants obviously he wants to sell the fight, a hundred percent. And you can tell it's it's not his persona, the cockiness and all that stuff. De definitely not his persona, but the way he breaks down things and articulates it is just something that I, I hope one day to get to. Um, and just his, if I, I don't know if you've seen it, but I put some uh, I put some breakdowns up and I talk about him and his inside trips. I, I love his inside trips; they're, they're awesome. I use inside trips in the clinch all the time. And uh, yeah, anybody who ever wants to learn it, go to his page and for sure he'll show you some good stuff. That's that's why I picked it up. Like I picked up Inside Trip, and then when we would do, um, you know, takedown month or anything like that, and we're we're really working on on you know on the feet, I'd always go for Inside Trip. I was like, oh my god, it does work. Oh, like, fantastic! It, Once they square up, boom, Inside Trip. Mm -hmm. And, and that was the thing, just like you said right there, once they score up, to me, it, it always was in my head like, why would they even do that? That's weird. Like, But sure enough, it's like, oh, my God, like people are just doing this. It's, it's easiest right there. Like, the only thing is it gets a little – if you mess it up, you can really fuck your knee. But oh, yeah. like, fortunately, you know, that didn't happen to myself nor, you know, any of my teammates – but it, it's it's a beautiful technique. It's it's a very uh, you got to feel the right scenario to do it. But yeah. uh, go, going back to what you said, uh, 
you know, with us not having any animosity. Um, I've actually shared a beer with every single person I've shared the cage with. When lose, I've always I've always been like, hey man, let's go get a beer, because at the end of the day, man, like this is uh, it's a very lonely sport. The last thing you want is animosity with someone you just shared the cage with or shared the mat with. Um, I tell a bunch of my guys that whenever you're out there competing, win, lose, or draw, you leave as part of yourself on that mat. Definitely. You, you take something, which is you take something from them, which they obviously give you some positions that showed you you were in danger. Now you got to work out of, or you take from them that this is what I can do to someone. So it's uh, a very intimate scenario that I don't think a bunch of us talk about. Everybody wants to talk about being the most, you know, the beast on the mat, killer be killed, but no one wants to talk about the intimacy that you have, a connection that you have with someone when you're trying to essentially knock each other or choke each other out. There's never any bad blood. I, I haven't had any blood blood with anyone that I fought. Maybe they talked a lot of smack prior to, and we got into the cage and there was this one kid from Pennsylvania. I, I beat him up pretty bad. And he comes up, he's like, I was just trying to sell the fight. I was like, it's all good, man. Like, I get it. Don't even sweat it. Like, he was posting all these things online. And he, like, messaged me through Facebook Messenger one day. Like, we had this whole conversation. I'm telling him I'm going out to Thailand. And he, like, cropped it saying, oh, he's going out to Thailand. See, he's scared of me, so that's why he's going there. And I'm like, no, dude. Like, I just had an opportunity. I'm taking it. And afterwards, we shared a beer. It was cool. That's that's. Again, you know, one of the beautiful things about this sport is, you know, those types of things could be done. Because like you said, being in that cage, there's a shared moment there. And not not many people can say that they've done this. You know, not many people can say that they've been in a cage and done that, you know, like you all. So not, not many people can understand. Even, you know, myself as a, as a fan, you know, watching this. I can appreciate and admire the beauty and, and just, you know, everything that's taking place there and seeing like, you know, after a fight with Dustin Poirier and, uh, you know, um, Chandler, uh, what's that? Are you talking about Dustin Poirier Chandler? Yeah. I don't know why. And I love Michael Chandler for some reason, the name just dropped for some reason, but yeah, like after, you know, because going into it, you know, I guess whatever altercation they had a while back, you know, sparked up something and you know that fight happens and you know then afterward you know they're real cool to each other and you know it was really you know seeing that from the outside it's like you know that is really cool but for you all you know yourself being in there and understanding and knowing that that emotion and that feeling and then afterward having a beer with your opponent who you know you know again you know like i said you know you get these guys now like mighty mouse and and Cejudo who fought and now they're training together, you know, you, you go from opponent to friends, you yeah. know, in some cases. So that's good. Absolutely. I actually have um, two guys that I'll be working with that we were we were actually matched up together to fight for titles. And uh, one's going to be training with me. One is actually now uh, coming to me on Wednesdays. And we do wrestling and nogi. So I'm his wrestling, I'm his wrestling coach, which is pretty wild. And he's a black belt as well. Very, very, very cool guy, man. If uh, one day we can, like, uh, I'll, I'll let you talk to him, and then you would definitely like him. Very slick guy. Very, very slick. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I, I definitely would, you know, enjoy that and look forward to it. So with all that you've uh, um, gone through thus far, as far as, um, you know, again, wrestling, MMA, jiu-jitsu, uh, is there anything, I guess, to your game, to your jiu-jitsu game, um, especially that you feel like you really uh, kind of uh, lean into that you may take from, take back from, you know, your other combat sports, you know, what, what do you bring over from MMA onto the mats for jujitsu? My passing game, definitely my passing game. So for, first of all, when you, and I, I'm probably going to get so much crap about this, but a lot of MMA fighters who are high level grapplers will go against maybe a, a pure technician blue belt right and get starched get completely destroyed what helped me for mma was being able to pass efficiently with purpose instead of ground and pounding i learned how to maneuver um you know my hips my weight with head positioning and whatnot and how to pass efficiently without giving up a lot of space so mma definitely did help me out with that and I learned the hard way because I just completely focused on jujitsu. Um, I mean, I completely focused on MMA. I learned the hard way that if I just stick to what I do in MMA, I'm going to get killed with jujitsu guys. So I had to kind of like find like that happy medium of how to pass with pressure with my head, but I'm not striking. So definitely helped my passing game for sure. Okay. And what's your favorite pass mm, that's a hard one because i get real fancy um <laughs> so uh, my favorite pass is a cartwheel pass oh i do a cartwheel pass. almost every role so what i do is like if somebody's seated in like you know butterfly guard i'll like bait my hips out because you know they try to like swim their feet inside and then i push their their chest back with my lead hand put their ankles up as soon as they settle back down i cartwheel pass Nice. What was not expecting that one? Most people are like knee cut, pressure pass. It's like, oh, cartwheel. Okay. I'm a wrestler. Man. I love putting that high pace because what happens is when you do that cartwheel pass, people panic. People panic, <laughs> and it'll initiate the scramble. Because worst comes to worst, I, I end up in side control. That's the worst. That's the worst case scenario. Yeah. True. So, so that that is my favorite pass. Like it. All right. How about it, yourself? I uh, I like pressure passing. Um, I always joke with people. Just being older now, I always say like, "Man, I'm into old man jujitsu." So I, I like to get like good pressure, good grips, you know, good control, and just pressure my way through. Because, like for me, one of the things that I worry about, you know, if I'm trying to do a knee cut. Or if I'm tr like, like those are the like the two main ones. But like the knee cut, I like it. I want the knee cut to be there for me. I want it to be my thing. It's just there, there's so many moving parts to it. Yes, that I feel like I'm missing something, and as I'm missing it, I'm overthinking it, and boom, you know, there's already a knee shield up, you know, or you know, they've already you know 
getting out into um you know half guard and you know they're trying to work deep half at this point i'm like well shit you know i'd have messed that up whereas with pressure passing it's like i just got to get in tight yeah and just pretty much you know trap and then like slowly work my way over yeah um, it's a very methodical way of doing it i like that i do yeah. like that a lot and, and there, there's so many different you know parts to uh pressure passing too you know, there's the over under double unders, you know, it's just like so much to it. It's like, oh, OK, well, I can do this. And then if one doesn't work, you still have the pressure. So yeah. they're still kind of controlled. So, you know, that's always been something that as I started aging in jujitsu, because when I started, I think I started at what, 37, maybe that seems like a good number. 37 seems right. Um, and, you I know, again, you 31. I, I wish, man, like my body feels like it's 51. Um, I, I just, you know, again, a knucklehead that, you know, played football and basketball and not understanding my body as a young man growing up. So I would always just throw myself out there and, and get demolished. Think, no, you know, that's your badge of honor. You know, getting your, you know, getting a concussion, like you know, yeah. I'm a kid of the '80s, so I'm like, you know, concussions are cool. No, they're not. I mean, I, I don't mean to interject, but correct me if I'm wrong. So this is actually a subject that I was actually talking to one of the other black belts at the gym. Growing up, now we have this new era where there's like a bunch of sports medicine and a, a lot of other options that help us, you know, stay healthy. But growing up from our older generation. Um, we were always taught, put some dirt on it, rub some dirt on it. You're fine. Are you hurt? Or are you injured? Those were the words that we were taught. So therefore we weren't listening to our bodies. So just like you said, we just threw caution to the wind and we would kind of just put our body through the ringer. And I, I actually, I'm, I'm paying it for it now. That's five herniated discs and a torn labrum later. That's not including like the torn rotator cuff. I've broken my fingers more than twice. Like these are all the things that no one speaks about that should be spoken about. So yeah, it, it's those little details that like, again, you know, especially from an older generation, we just look at it like, uh, you know, like, like my hip, my hip has been shit since <laughs> probably senior year of high school. And, you know, I just kind of, you know, and my wife, she's always like, you need to go to a chiropractor you know, maybe just need be need to be realigned. I'm like, no, no, no I'll be good. I'm fine. I just got to stretch, you know. And <laughs> here I am now. I, you know, and the funny thing is, like, once I'm on the mat, I'm not so worried about my hip. You know, like the the you know because I'm so just there. I'm not thinking about my hip. You know, um, I just go into it. You probably you probably don't feel it. You're like you're probably in the moment, living the moment. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I do know there are moments where it's like, okay, my flexibility is compromised. Yeah. But I, I'm not hurt. And, you know, I just kind of go on with it. I, I think on the mat for these, what, past however many years, what, seven now I've been doing it, like fully, I guess, five. Uh, I, I've the only injury that I genuinely had was uh, my first year I rolled my ankle really like one of the other white belts. He had my back and he pulled me straight back over my, my uh, knees 
it caught my ankle underneath then and then um i was at that time only training once per week so i think part of it was i didn't have opportunities to really you know put my body on the mat that much to encounter anything crazy and then once i started training um like three four times a week i separated my rib oh man and it was possibly the second worst pain i'd ever encountered um i like i didn't know what was going on i just heard a pop and a sharp pain and i i fell to the ground screaming i was like you know because I, I was with a wrestler and i had him tied up and you know he started standing and i thought like okay i got this dude i got this dude and i went to uh lift him and like kind of bring him back down you know gently and as i lifted him the way that i like kind of bent back okay i think i like just overextended myself and i was like oh boy but um but even with those two things it's like okay those were serious serious enough to keep me off the mat anything else i always chalked it up to like are you hurt or or are you injured and it was like okay i'm hurt you know fingers like my left hand it's of almost no use at this point how much tape do you use on your hand so i used to use a lot of tape now i don't even mess with it anymore it's like you know what i'm putting this tape on and i think part of it is i was putting it on not very well so it just come right off um, not like immediately but you know after about maybe an hour into class it's like okay this is more in the way than not so i just so on the mat i don't use it a lot but off off the mat like when i'm at home if i'm playing video games or something or if i'm down here in the basement standing up action figures something just fell i don't know what i can't see who fell so that's your section <laughs> yeah Damn. but um that's when i usually put tape on is like when i'm kind of around the house just doing like little fine motor things okay um but if if i'm on the mat i rarely use any tape at all just because the way that I put tape on is almost kind of like you're wasting it. Just wait till you get home and utilize it properly. Yeah, I uh, I tried to use tape for a while, and um, so with my left hand, my uh, middle finger doesn't go straight up anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, that thing is uh, pretty pretty jacked up. It dislocated. It went all the way back, and what it was my ring finger at first. Well, I, I was sparring, and some some guy threw a kick, and I tried to parry it. And I was, we were doing small gloves, and I felt like two cracks in my hand. So at first, I thought my hand broke immediately. I was like, my hand's broken. So I like put my hand under my armpit, and I'm like, oh my god, what do I do? So I call one of my students over. I'm like, yo, I need you to take my glove off. And if it's bad, do not let me look at it. But when when I felt the snap, I immediately put my ring finger back in place. And my middle finger was not going. And I'm like, oh no, no, no. So he takes the glove off, looks at it, looks back at me, and he's like. And calls like the owner of the gym. He's like, "Hey, hey, Sensei Paul, come here, come here, come here." And they're like, "What?" And then they look at my hand. They're like, "Yeah, we gotta go to the hospital." And I'm like, "Is it broken?" They're like, "We we don't know." My whole hand swelled up, and yeah, to get put back in place. And now that thing does not even it doesn't go straight anymore. That's as much. <laughs> and yeah, I never used tape. 
because I used to put it on way too tight and it would lose circulation. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, just forget it. I'm just going to let it rock. So, like, sometimes when I'm sleeping, if I put my hand by my ear, it pops in and out, which is kind of. I have the same issue with sleeping. Um, like, this pinky is getting better, but it's like, it, it's fine now. Like, for the longest time, it was like this. And I was like, okay, all right. It has slowly been working its way out. And now that's about as. It's getting there. Yeah. And then this pinky, it's about the same. They're both about kind of you know, not completely stretched out, but if I'm laying in bed my head, you know, my hands under my, my head or something, my big ass head, like weighs on my pinkies. And I'm like, Oh Jesus, this hurts. Um, my other fingers, it's usually like that, you know, the, the, uh, you know, top knuckle that gets busted up, but those are from your grip, just, right? Yeah. That, that's, that's just business as usual, uh, just with the game. But, um, I remember trying to take down one of my uh, teammates and uh, again, uh, inside, well, the, uh, outside trip and I got him down. But as we're going down to the ground, I don't know why my hand flared out was. Yeah. And, and I felt uh, my ring finger, my pinky finger just snap like they bent. And I was like, oh, my God, my ring finger, right as rain. Nothing's wrong. That pinky, it's coming along. That was about probably about a year ago now. So my wife, she keeps telling me like, Oh, you need to like go have them break that and reset it. And I was like, I'm not willingly letting anyone break my finger lady. Like, yeah. like oh. I got shit to do. Excuse my language, but if you got a better chance seeing God like that, that's <laughs> not happening. No way. Yeah. It's like, and, well, like what, is, what is wrong with you? And uh, don't like, dude, don't even feel bad about it. Only because, um, again, 20 years of wrestling, I still sometimes do it. I'll take somebody down. And I put my hands out and I'm like, and I constantly tell everyone, don't post with your hands. Don't. And then my dumb ass, whoop, I fall down, boom, post my hand out. You learn that as a kid. That's the crazy part. When you're falling, don't put your hands out. Tuck in. And then uh -huh. we, we, we just do It's just nature. It's, it's just natural. We were working. Um, we were working on single legs. And, you know, as, as you run the pipe, you know, just break fall. And I remember telling one of the younger students, you know, showing him how to break fall and everything that he he does it to me. And like a dummy, I throw my arm back. I didn't get hurt, but <laughs> like I realized, I was like, oh, my God, I'm a poor example. I this thought I was, you were going to tell me like your elbow did this, like like went inside or something. So it that almost happened once again early on when I was training, I think this is, this was right around when I was able to start um, training multiple times per week. And I don't sleep very well. I'm usually, I'm usually up at bizarre hours of the night just for no reason. And I remember going in to train the next day, very little sleep. And it was a hard practice that morning. And I'm, I'm like just tired, like, like tired, being sleepy, tired, but also physically tired from the training. And I remember, uh, someone went to, uh, uh, sweep me like hip bump. And I, you know, went to post and my arm buckled weird. And as we're like, as he's continuing up with his sweep, fortunately, my arm somehow just, you know, maneuvered right. So. I didn't get injured. My coach looks at me 
He was like, get up, sit down, you're out. Oh, snap. And I was like, dude, come on. You know, and me being me, I'm just like, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I was like, nope, sit down. Like, you, like you're beating your body to the ground right now. You need to just sit down and, and, and you know, watch. You know, it was uh, the official class was over. We were now afterwards just kind of getting some live rolls in, drilling if we need to. Like an open like, Yeah, yeah. So I think there was like four or five of us there. Uh, you know, and then my coach there as well. And he just had me sit to the side and I get it. I appreciate him looking out for me. But at the time I was frustrated because I was like, no, 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 dude, I'm good. I can do this. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I, like I saw my mistake won't happen again. He was like, nope, I can't risk you getting hurt. <laughs> like You got a job to go to, you know, you can't just be out here getting hurt. I, I think at this point my daughter was born. So it's like your dad, like, you know, you got to be smart. So. I think yeah. a lot of the time, especially once we're starting to get into our own rhythm, and um, this is something that I really, really uh, emphasize when I teach a class, is uh, that ego, which I'm, hey man, I'm all, it happens to me, I'm super guilty. That ego has to be gone. Whether you think you can, like, when the body says stop, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's time to say stop. Um, with, with coming from my injuries and whatnot uh you know i'm all banged up and you know me being the dummy that i was yesterday i thought hey i can roll that's fine and i rolled and i come back home and my wife looks at me and she's like really it was worth it i'm like what do you mean she's like you're walking weird and i'm like i didn't even notice i was walking weird but like Sometimes at the end of the day, our ego is going to be our worst enemy. For sure. That, yep, that's that's a fact. Uh, I, I always like to say that I have my ego in check. I don't think anyone completely has their ego in check. Um, we're humans, you know. There's, there's, it's just, it's, it's there. The I think the best we could really hope for is to kind of have an agreement with our ego. There's a, there's something, I don't know if you've ever seen Pulp Fiction. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. Perfect. So Marcellus Wallace is having the conversation with Bruce Willis at this time. And he says, you know, they're talking about the whole, hey, Bruce, you're, you know, like, I mean, that's not his name in the movie, but this uh, is Butch. Butch. They're telling, they're telling Butch, hey, man, like this, you're going to take the dive, blah, 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 like whatever. And Marcellus Wallace goes, Hey man, don't let that shit get to you. You know, if you feel that itching behind your neck, that's pride getting you. Pride will get you hurt. Same thing comes when it comes to this sport. Every when I heard that, I was like, wow. It, it always stuck through me, and I don't know why I liked it when I was a kid, but once I got into combat sport, I realized I think I was supposed to hear it for some reason, man. And that has always stuck with me. Anytime now, I feel like I'm pushing that limit. Uh, now, this is the fine line of me being injured and me doing this for, you know, shits and giggles. Pride. Ego and pride will come is the downfall of any martial artist. It could bring you here, but are the consequences worth the reward? It's up to you. Yeah, that's the thing that I always... Nowadays, it's not so much of an issue. I train. Uh, I'm I'm back to like training once, maybe twice per week. If I'm, 
you know, if I'm lucky, if I'm feeling squirrely. But I go in now with this ideal of let me just go on the mat. Let me get my body into it. Let me get some reps in. I'm not here. You know, this isn't the Coliseum. This is, you know, this is Elk Ridge, Maryland. <laughs> you know, like you're not getting a trophy here. All you're doing is by the way what's that i said i would love to take a trip down to your gym oh like we would love to have you dude it it's it's i love my gym i just love the people there the culture there it's it's like i'm you know a self-proclaimed outcast but anytime i walk in there i always feel welcome i always feel like i'm at home and that, you know, you want to believe that's to fill at all gyms. Um, you know, I visited a couple of different gyms and, you know, I do feel, I feel, you know, welcomed as a guest. But when I go to my gym, I feel like even if I haven't seen anyone in, in months, years, it's like, it's, it feels like family. You know, even if it's somebody I only talk to like briefly, you know, you feel that connection. So. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk afterward and, um, and, and same. It's like my, uh, one teammate and I, we've been talking about like, wanting to do like road trips and, and go see other gyms. So, you know, that's part of this podcast is making those connections. Um, and just wanting to, you know, I don't compete. So for me, visiting other gyms, enrolling with other people is kind of my way of really, you know, getting that additional knowledge and, and filling people out. So. It's, it's more or less like, um, so I explained to the kids class this way. I, I always tell them, I'm like, Hey, like who plays video games? And they're like, yeah, yeah, me, me, me. And they're like, all right. Like, what do you guys play? They're like Fortnite. I'm like, all right, what do we do in Fortnite? We try to upgrade our armor, upgrade our guns or whatnot. So, with that being said, when you're visiting a different gym, you're kind of just adding to your armor. You're adding something into your arsenal. And the most cheesiest thing I say, which I'm the king of like being super cheesy and cringe, my wife says, I have dad jokes and I'm not even a dad yet. Like I'm, I tell everyone, look, would you rather go to a restaurant that has four items on the menu? Or do you want to go to a restaurant that has 12? I was like, so take that into perspective of when you're visiting a different gym you came in with 10 good items on your menu but now with this person you're rolling with they showed you something from Deepak. this person showed you something from Delahiva. this person showing you the honey hole this person showed you how to invert so now you're just adding a bunch of things on the menu now you got spaghetti you got pasta you got burgers you got ribs so you are the chef build your menu the way you want it as diverse as you want it there can be specials but make sure you have an answer for everything make sure you can connect with every customer so that's as cheesy as i get when it comes to adding to your arsenal add to your menu no dude that's that's actually makes perfect sense and super relatable though you know it's you know i always think of it and, you know, you, you always have to relate things to, you know, something that's palatable. I'm going to edit that out because I sound like I can't talk. You always have to 
relate things, you know, or connect it to something relatable for you. And yeah. for a lot of people, food, that that's a great analogy there. Uh, I, I look at, you know, just again, building these uh, relationships and then, you know, seeing other gems, talking to other people. There's um, a movie, Interview with the Vampire. I love it. Absolutely. Uh, in in the movie, at, early on in the movie, Christian Slater, he's sitting with um, Louis, uh, Brad Pitt's character, because he's going to interview him. And he says, I'm a collector of lives. And that's what I think of when I think of um, jiu-jitsu, and, and even doing this podcast to an extent, being a collector. You know, it's like not everything's going to fit your game. But like you said, like putting to, you know, when you get your armor, you know, you might find a piece that might work. Yeah. Some pieces might not, but it's all right. You know, you, you adjust it as needed. So um, it, it's always fun trying to figure out, you know, especially with, you know, with the kids, students, especially it's like, what can you connect your martial art to for them? Whether yeah. it be video games, whether it be food, whether it be movies, cartoons, so it's always interesting in that regard. Very, and um, I believe um, it's not what you're teaching, it's how you connect. So just, just going back to what you're saying, like, because you could have a world champion teach you the best moves in the world, but if they can't connect with you, that's not going to stick. You got to learn how to read the room. But one thing that did help me with that was bartending. So I've been bartending for 13 years, so... Um, yeah, that definitely helped me. I could speak to anyone. I could speak to a rock and it could tell me it's best friend. Like, so I don't know that that's just me. I, I'm very cheesy. I can roll with the punches type type of ordeal. So, well, I mean, you know, being able to being able to kind of mingle and get into, the, you know, interact, you know, read in the room. So it's like I'm I'm introverted. I'm extremely introverted. Just, Believe it or not. But, but 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 there's a thing to that though. I, I think it's almost like we're introverted, but when we have to, we it's like we can turn it on and go. Because if you give me the choice between having to go out to when I used to work for uh, Pandora Jewelry, okay, and their uh, Christmas parties, you know, going to the Christmas party was always a big deal. Uh, they had prizes and everything, games. It was a fun time. But me being an introvert, it's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it. It's like, okay, just go. Once I'm there, it's like your back is against the wall. It's like, all right, turn it on and go. And I, I think that there is something to that. Not all introverts, but I think, you know, that extra, uh, extroverted introvert or introverted extrovert. Yeah. I, th I think that's where we fall into that, where it's like, look, you know, we, we, we're we fine being in a crowd, but there's a recharge point. I think over the holidays, uh, yeah. Thanksgiving, I had to, after we got home, my wife was looking at me. She was like, are you okay? It's like all my family, you know, my family's from Detroit. So, you know, when everybody's down here, it's wild. And I, I'm sitting here on the couch and she goes, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I just I, I have to recharge because all the energy that was put out, mingling and playing and dancing and talking and you know having a good time. Now I need to recharge. So 
We're there. I hear you. It's a big time overload. Um, we actually talked about this a few days ago um, where I told you I was very insecure about posting, you know, certain things, you know, certain contents and stuff. And you said, hey, man, if you teach in front of a, a bunch of people, like it should like not saying it shouldn't be an issue, but imagine, you know, if I teach in front of 40 people, that's usually my class, like 20 to 40 people ish. But now imagine me doing stand-up comedy. You know, like, if 40 people are retaining the things that I'm telling them, I should have no problem showing my content to anyone else because they're retaining it for a reason. And um, so that, I, I am going to say, that I attribute, like, you know, that you instilled some confidence in me as well to constantly just, all right, I'm just going to keep pushing out content. So I even I told my wife about that. I was like, "Yo, man!" I was like, "This dude, you know, kind of like said something that kind of like hit hard to me." So like, you know, I, I take that, I take that for sure. Good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that you know, you know that helped. Because I I always look at the social media thing, especially as this. For me, it was accidental. I was just posting on my regular, you know, my personal page, jujitsu stuff. Uh, there was a young lady. She's still on Instagram. Uh, I don't think she still trains anymore, but uh, her name was BJJ Emma. BJJ Girl Emma. And she would always post jujitsu stuff. And I was marginally into jujitsu. I hadn't started training yet. Okay. But I was watching a lot of MMA, you know, and I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to give it a try. But, um, but I was still posting a lot of stuff just to my personal page not really thinking thinking anything of it. Then a teammate of mine approached me and asked me to run his website. Mind you, I don't have any knowledge of running a website. Um, he asked me to run his Facebook page as well, which happened to be BJJ Wiki. I said, so I was like, do you mind if I do an Instagram account instead? So you do whatever you want. Make it, you know, as long as you're making the content grow. So... I started doing that and slowly but surely I had to find a niche. I had to figure out what am I doing? Cause I wasn't posting content of my own. So I had to figure out what am I doing here? Suddenly I post, you know, three things and, and it picked up, you know, some traction and I got a following and I realized, okay, you know what I can do since I have a following, let me find other accounts that don't have big followings repost, but make sure to credit them. So that way we're growing off each other. Yeah. And then, you know, as I post, you know, people know, okay, that's the source. We're going to go there because, you know, you know, and, and I'll see people repost something that I posted. And I know they got it from me because that post that I found was buried six years prior on the other person's page. So I know they didn't go there and get it. Also, I changed music on post. And if I hear the music that I use, it's like, you got that for me. But I don't say anything like, hey, you credit me. Like, no, because it's yeah. not my post. But, uh, but yeah, th this whole thing kind of happened almost really by accident. So, you know, now when I see, like, actual content creators like yourself, it's like, you know, run with it. It's like anything that anyone has to say on any social media platform if they're not giving constructive criticism, 
this is gonna sound real fucking crude, but they can go fuck themselves. Oh yeah, like I need to say that because so the the post that you put up of mine that you shared of that twister, mind you, I'm not showing like all right, this is how we seatbelt, this is how we enter truck. I'm showing like foot position, hand position on the leg. I wasn't showing like a proper inch. I'm like showing like okay, like this is how we're starting. So like that's why it was zoomed in, and some kid goes. I would roll out of that. Like, or somebody will roll out of that. And I'm like, bro, I went on his page and I don't know if this is okay to stay on here, but I go on his page. I'm like, you're a blue belt. Like, and I I don't like to pull a rank like that, but I'm like, oh, and I wanted to like put something like, Hey man, we can roll. But I'm like, all right, first of all, I'm not, I'm not never an aggressive person like that. But I was like, and then my wife goes, babe, it's social media. It's so, she's like, why are you going to get mad at social media? She's like, you've done probably, more things in a month that this kid has ever done in, in like his whole lifetime of training jits. Everyone's going to have an opinion, but opinions do not matter because they're not fact. And I'm like, oh, that's why we have our wives, man. Like, that's why we have our persons. So, absolutely. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. So, yeah, I kept shut. No, Instagram. Uh, so, <laughs> I hate when I hear people say they're shadow banned because a lot of times it's not so much the shadow ban as much as the algorithms changed. Yeah. And we didn't, and, and we're not keeping up with the algorithm. And I don't know how to do it. Again, I get lucky. I get lucky as fuck. Um, but I, someone commented on, I don't even know what the post was back in July. And I, I replied back to them on, on the post and I called them a cunt. Oh, and Instagram swooped in quick and was like, hey, you're in danger of losing your account. I was like, son, chill. <laughs> yeah. So from that point, though, all my um, engagement, everything was really low until really um, it, uh, I want to say end of October, it picked back up. And uh, then I, I started kind of reapproaching things differently. Because the way my account is set up, part of I think part of what helps with my following um, is that you have to follow me in order to leave a comment. Oh, that's smart. See, I don't even know how to do that. Yeah, someone asked me how, and I was trying to explain. I was like, I'm going to be honest. I I saw it once, and all my accounts are set up that way, so I I have to know how to do it somehow, some way. I just I think I force gump my way into it every time. But um, now, when someone has something shitty to say. I reply back with, thank you for the follow. I, I take it as this. If you're going to come on, especially to, to my post, you have to follow me to make a comment. It's kind of like, look, I'm going to get what I get. <laughs> so thanks for the follow. But also, now you're bringing engagement and traction to the page. So, you know, there there it is for that. It is like, look, you guys suck, you know, for being, you know, closed-minded and jerks. But thanks for the engagement. Thanks for the follows. And, mm. you know. Instagram sees it. No, no. So it's it's cool. Like, so after you put up one of my video, my video, um, did I got like forty followers after that? Nice. Like, what the fuck? I literally like what the fuck? And I was like, oh, cool. And but I was like, oh, I like told my wife, I was like, he got like thirteen or like twelve, thirteen thousand views on that. I was like, I only got like four thousand, but she's like, look at your followers, and I'm like, oh shit. 
I was like, damn, you're right. And I just checked that out like uh, yesterday. If not, yeah. so I, I have to thank you, man. Like, cause you know, it, it definitely helps. Like anything helps. Like I, I love it, you know. So I have to really thank. I mean, thank you to you as well. Cause I mean, again, um, like I say, I'm not a content creator. Um, I, I, I don't know what to call it, but you know, you all are the real creators. So thank you, uh, you know, for first off reaching out to me. Um, and, and then, you know, because I follow so many accounts that algorithm, the algorithm does someone just posted something today. I didn't know they were still on Instagram. And I looked like this person's been posting like daily for the past three months. Yeah. I haven't seen anything until today. So the algorithm just is weird. So, you know, thank you for, you know, you know, making me aware because, you know, as soon as we talked, I was like, all right, I got you. I'm going to throw you into the queue right now. You know, shoot me, you know, if, if you got something you want uh, reposted, tag me at the very least, it goes to the stories. Yeah. So. And I didn't want to be greedy. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, I was like, oh, man, there's so many things I want to, like, show this dude. But I'm like, I'm, like, telling my wife. I was like, babe, like, I I'm not going to, like, put everything on there. Because I was like, you know, this is his own shit. Excuse my language. But this is his own stuff. So I was even, I was just happy that you even answered me. So, like, I, I, I was just, I don't know. I was pretty lucky. Oh, I mean, again, you know, I appreciate you reaching out. Um like most DMs go into uh what the request box. So yeah. most times it's usually like someone saying, you know, it, it's it's a gee company, you know, like, hello, ma'am, sir. Uh, you know, we are a gee company, and I'm like, oh geez, not you know, not this again. Although there actually there there were like two legitimate gee companies that reached out to me. I was like, oh shit, like you're real, like you're actually a real person. Okay, cool. But most of the times in the request, that's what's there. So, you know, I click and then, you know, what I tend to do is I'll get somebody that will send me like, uh, uh, they'll just send a video. First thing I do is I check to see if they follow me. If they don't follow me, immediately delete. Um, I think you didn't even do that. You you actually asked me about uh, reposting. I was like, and that to me, when you said, you know, how do I get reposted? I was like, that's this right here. This is the first step. Just ask. And I'm going to repost regardless because at the end of the day, this isn't mine. You know, like th this is all of ours. This community is all of ours. So in order for this community to grow and to be strong, it it's we got to work together. We got to share together instead of, you know, you know, people seeing a, a technique and saying, oh, well, I'll easily roll out of that or that won't work on me. It's like, why don't you look at the technique and yeah. instead of letting your ego take over, look at it and see what you can gain from that technique, you know? And I, I and especially like you, you actually out of like a lot of like the jujitsu pages, you have like one of the biggest followings I've seen. So that's again, rewinding back why I was like, wow, man, like this dude actually answered me, you know? So that, that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, people need to like let go of the fact that like it won't work on me and just appreciate the art in general. But yeah, I don't know. P people really need to start appreciating the art for what it is and not look at the art. Uh, Albert Einstein said the one thing where like he was doing like mathematics on like on like a board and he answered like, I'm going to butcher this, but like all these like 
mathematic equations like correct and then one was wrong and everybody focused on the one thing that was wrong and not everything that was correct that that's you know weirdly that's kind of the way of the world and I, I know uh what you're talking about he, he answered 99 of them out of 100 correct and then the one that he got wrong he he wrote it wrong on purpose and he made it egregiously <laughs> wrong so wrong that it it stood out like are you dumb yeah yeah exactly and they're like Ha, he got that wrong. And it's like, well, like, but what about the 99 that he got right? And it's, it goes the same for you can do 99 good things for somebody. And the second that you do the one, you know, one wrong or you're not there from that one time, you know, yeah. they label you as a bad person or they label you as unreliable. And it's like, look, we need to, like you said, we need to focus on the positive. You know, what, what can we gain from this? Like, how is this helping us grow versus... You know, seeing one thing is like, oh, well, that's not going to work. It's like, really? Because I, I, I'm i guilty of that even on the mat. You know, I, you know, I've got hit with so many simple sweeps where I'm like, that would never work. Oh, shit, it worked. <laughs> like, like, are you serious? Like, so, you know, everybody looks at a video and looks at something like there's no way that could work. But then once you're caught in it, it's like, oh, <laughs> like, like, ow, 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 my, my Achilles. Or, or my uh, my ACL. Yeah. yeah. It's called the heel hook. I, I do a lot of things like, um, so I bait a lot. So, and you're going to see that, like, when you start getting to those higher rankings, like, you start setting things up like, um, it's fishing a hook, man. So, so what I do is I throw up a lot of lazy submissions sometimes. So maybe I throw, like, I get somebody's back and I'll have, like, my left hook is a little bit loose because they can tripod up and they start to shake me off. What little but do they know? I'm actually fishing for a guillotine or I'm fishing for an arm bar from that, from me taking your back. So I'll throw up lazy submissions. Like I'll be on your back. I'll be backpack. I have my right hook in deep, left hook in shallow. And you start tripoding. Oh, cause I'm a little bit too high. But once they start shaking me off, I switch my grip. I go guillotine or I go arm bar or I go inverted trap. It's like, that, that's just kind of what I do because you're focusing on the thing that I did wrong, but you're not focusing on all the things that I just did right. So I always tell everybody, set up everything, four moves ahead. If you're four moves ahead, you're going to fucking finish phenomenal. But if you're just focusing on the home run, it's not going to get you anywhere. You're probably going to strike out. Focus on four things ahead of time. Not the home run, because the home run, if you're shit, then you're SOL. You're shit out of luck if you fuck up. So, no, I couldn't agree more. And that's like at one point I used to do that with um, the arm bar and the triangle. I have little stubby legs. Triangles just like like I just I struggle with them, but I still shoot for them. Yeah. And they're like, oh, he's going for the triangle. Nah, <laughs> like not this guy. I just want the arm. Thanks. You don't see the arm bar like it. But it, it, it's people like, because again, like I'm five foot five. So when I throw my triangles up, they're not really going to get anywhere. Like, especially against a guy like, I think the heaviest guy I roll with is like 260-ish. So like I'll throw it up there, but I'm like, dude, I'm just going for an arm bar. Just like you said. Or I'm going on a plata. And my yeah. lot is honestly just set me up for like my leg lock entries. Like that's all I'm really trying to do. 
I'm not I'm not trying to take up your upper body. I know you're super strong there. But if I can catch a heel hook, you bet your ass I'm going for a heel hook. Yeah. I, I always find that funny that that's kind of a basic concept that we've always known throughout history. No matter what we're doing, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, you know, anything. The lower body, yes, it's strong in terms of like, you know, you can squat a lot, you're walking, you're running all the time. But, you know, like in football, you know, hit them low. Like yeah. If, if you're running at me and I try to like, if I try to blast you like with my shoulder, like going head to head, I'm probably going to get trucked because you've got all this momentum on your side. Yeah. If I go low or matador you and, you know, you know, kind of step to the side and then go low. You know, the legs are very, very vulnerable, and that's the same in jujitsu too. I mean, that's why the leg lock game is, is you know, where it's at now, and, and only getting better is because, I, like, if you go for an armbar on me, I mean, I, I can find ways to kind of survive that. You know, yeah. you're going for a triangle. I got a short, stubby neck. Like, it's it's tough. But if you're setting up something, you know, to get to my to my leg. Eh, okay, I I just don't got anything there. I mean, you, you get the ankle lock. I'm you know I'm done. You go for the hill hook. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, you don't even gotta just give me give me the nod. I'll let you know you um, got it. I do I do that all the time. I'll I'll like catch my student. Like, look, I'm I'm like one of those higher belts. Like, if I catch you in a bad position, I just stop and I'm literally looking into like the windows of your soul. Like I'm looking you eye to eye. Waiting for you to realize where you are. I'll have a heel hook and I'll just hold it there. And I'm like, are you going to move? Are you going to move? And they're so preoccupied in everything. Like I said before, everything I did wrong, but they're not realizing that their heel is right in the crevice of my bicep and my forearm. And I'm like, I could take this home whenever I want. So it's up to you for you to fucking move. Just move. Please, please help me like Kevin Hart. Help me. So... Yeah, I have a teammate, um, a really, really good friend of mine. Like, I always call him a teammate. I mean, he's one of my best friends, but I always refer to him as a teammate. But um, he'll he'll get the hill hook, and we'll just lock eyes. And I and I look and I'm like, you know, you got it. <laughs> like we we both know what it is. And like, there's no and he 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 would never crank it, but it's like he as soon as he gets it, I'm like, yeah, I I know. Like, yep, you got it. It's it's fine. Um, like, I'm not even going to pretend I wouldn't dare say, no, nah, no, nah, like, like play it through. Like, fuck no. It's a hill hook. We're in practice room. No, li live to fight another day. Don't be a hero. Absolutely. You know, so, yeah, I, I tell my students that all the time. Like, hey, yo, dude, ain't nothing wrong with tapping. I've tapped to a blue belt before. Well, I mean, I've let them tap me, but I've tapped. I've done it where it's like, all right, man, like, get me in that bad position. And I realized, oh, shit, this is too deep. I really, really gave it to him, so I'm like, ah, tap. Like, I'm good. Like, I, I really don't care. For one, it's going to help me know, all right, my threshold. Two, it's going to help boost their morale where they're like, okay, I just tapped out a black belt. I'm going to try that. So it's a win-win, to be honest. There's a part in the game when it comes to jujitsu, and this is how you know you're working with a very high-level person, is when, now, this may not make sense, but, it's when you're rolling, let, let's say, me and like one of like my blue or purple belts roll. I'm going to give them the best of me 
at my blue and purple belt stage. I don't know if you ever watched Dragon Ball Z at all. Yes. So I am going to give them me at like KO Cannon. Like, let, let's say that. Let's Or like Super Saiyan 1. Let's say that. Let's say you're a purple belt. I'm So right now, like as a black belt, you're like, let's say like a Super Saiyan God. I'm going to drop down to like Super Saiyan 1. And I'm going to give you that exact same technique, that flow, that energy, um, that explosiveness as me as here, as your purple belt level. And if you can beat me in that position, then you fucking earned it. So, and then that's how you know you're rolling with a very high level person because they can meet your energy. They can meet your skill set. Now it's up to you to be able to capitalize and obtain certain techniques and absorb the situation as for what it is given to you. Um, it's, it, it's hard to explain, but I, that's why I'm like trying to explain it in like the Dragon Ball Z, like, you know, sort of way because I love Dragon Ball Z and, um, I tell it to my they're like, mind blown. And I'm like, yeah. So, like, I'll go with, like, a purple belt, a brown belt, a blue belt. And, like, I'll give them that look. All right, man, I'm dropping to your level. You have to best me now. And if you do, then you earned it. So. That makes perfect sense. I, I, I like that. I like that a lot. Because, you know, it's the, you know, you don't think of it as, like, you know, a white belt rolling with a black belt. It's like, look, I'll come down to your level. Beat yeah. me on this level or blue belt i'll come down to your level beat me at your level versus hey i'm a black belt going against a blue belt beat it's me like, you know it's like I, like i got a long way to go i can't come up there and it's it's very disheartening for the lower belts for the newer guys like we saw vegeta do vegeta did to broly like when he's like all right now i'm gonna show you my full form like so it, it does happen all the time you know i mean like for any of the anime, like, you know, Dragon Ball watchers, like, I hope that, you know, tra transitions to you. Uh, but, yeah, like, that that's the best way to describe it, man. It's just, like, lowering your power level to their level. Lowering your rank to their rank. And being able to control it in that fashion. And not letting your ego get to you where it's like, I'm going to best you because you just got me. Like, no. Keep it there. Because it's going to help you... You know, um, remember certain principles that maybe you did forget as a purple belt, as a blue belt, as a white belt. That happens to me all the time. My cousin, she just started training three months ago. She, I, like, let her get on my back, and she almost finished the show. But I'm like, shit, damn, like, how the hell did she get there? And I'm like, I had to ask her. And she told me, I don't know. And I'm like, damn, now I got to figure it out. Mind you, I'm in jiu-jitsu for 14 years now, 20 years of wrestling. Like, I have to, like, now figure the pieces out. Maybe there was something I forgot as a white belt that me putting myself down to that level, she bested me. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong at all. Not at all. Love it. That That's a great way to explain it. And also, it's a great way to kind of end that on, end it all on that sure. note. So, um, Brian, thank you for doing this, dude. This, is, this has been a great conversation, a great time. We want to have you back on. We got to do this again. Now, now that we got that... That that first initiation out of the way, you know, we we got the flow together. Now, next next time, it's on the Dragon Ball Z. Now that I know, oh, man, I'm cool with that. We we can speak for hours. hours. Oh yeah, no, I'm definitely cool with that. Thank you for having me, man. It was a pleasure. No, no problem. Uh, do you have any shout outs or mentions that you want to drop on on here before we get out? Uh, 
no, I, I, damn, I, it's so bad. I really don't have any that come to mind. I'll be honest. I mean, if you could look up my YouTube channel, um, it is uh, Bride Bride underscore Jits. Um, I do a lot of MMA breakdowns and jujitsu breakdowns, and as well, um, and on TikTok, I do the same thing. Bride underscore Jits. Actually, no, it's a uh, B two ten. I will put that in the show notes and then uh, link everybody to it. Um, and as always for everyone else, appreciate the hell out of you all. Thank you for listening. If y'all have any questions or concerns, please feel free to reach out to me. You can find me at bjj.wiki on Instagram or off the mats podcast on Instagram as well. Um, I want to give a big shout out to my good friends over at nerd rage radio, uh, Bobby, Joe, Chris, Marilyn, Phil, Raul, uh, Ricky, Tiki, all y'all. Nerd Rage is how I got started doing podcasts. I've been doing podcasts with them for many, many years, and I guess it was about time to go do my own thing because they do comics and stuff, and I do sports. So they say, get the hell out of here. So thank you, guys. I love you all. Big shout-out to them. Also, big shout-out to my good friend Paige, also known as BJJ Mama, who give her a follow. Uh, she's been a guest on here several times and always like to like promote her page. She has a lot of good, good, um, positive content. So go give her a follow. And also last shout out my other podcast. So you like horror. Um, it's about scary movies and stuff. We just did a review of the 2022 movie Barbarian and upcoming. My wife and I, we're going to sit down. We're going to talk about holiday horror. So. I haven't got anything set for it. So uh, it's going to be a surprise for all of us once we uh, do it. So um, go check it out. It's on Instagram. All the words separated by underscores. Otherwise, again, thank you, everyone. I love you all to death. Without you all listening and, and following this podcast, would be kind of kind of uh, lonely. So thank you. Um, and as, as always, you guys keep listening. I'm going to keep doing these shows. Thank you, everyone, and bye. They published. Now let me see his song.